0: Hi, how are you? It's uh, you, me and BPD and um, this week I have a guest uh, from America. Her name is Rose Skeeters. She's a a therapist over in America that I got chatting to a couple of months ago and uh, she asked me to go on her own podcast, um, From Borderline to Beautiful, which is a really good podcast too if you have a listen to it. So eventually... I'm doing my own podcast now, and I asked Rose to come on today and, and uh, be the guest for once, you know. So, hi, how are you, Rose? Good, how are you? Thanks for having me, Sean. Thanks very much for coming on. Um, I'm good now, thankfully. Yeah, I'm good. So, I've been looking forward to this. We've been trying to do this for a couple of weeks. Um, but I know. <laughs> difficulties trying to get it, and then my voice went, and then we tried it, and then it broke down so that I can... Guaranteed today won't break down. So, <laughs> um, that's
1: awesome. Our, yeah. our time zone. our time, our time zones, time zone as well. differences has been funny, Exa- right? Yes,
0: exactly. <laughs> so we're, we're we're doing our best to get there, but we we're eventually doing it. You know. So um, yep. I suppose we'll start off. Tell us a little bit about yourself.
1: Sure. So I am the co-owner or uh, CVO of a online. Counseling, coaching, and consulting business called Thrive Mind Body, and I'm also the host, like you said, of a podcast called From Borderline to Beautiful. So I had started. We started our company. I'm a nutrition coach, and I was doing online counseling. And I realized when I was doing that, eventually, that all of the people coming to me had, you know, were somewhere on this borderline personality disorder spectrum. And those were the people who, you know, they talk about, you know, you have an ideal client when you're working on a business. And those were the people who are my ideal clients. So I thought to myself, you know what, I should really get my message out there about borderline personality disorder and just tell people my story, be vulnerable so that, you know, people looking for treatment, you know, they, they don't feel so alone. So I decided to do my podcast, having that clinical background, and then move into from being a a licensed therapist to more a hybrid therapist mindset coach.
0: All right. So are you diagnosed yourself with borderline personality disorder?
1: I was never formally diagnosed. Mm. Well, I was formally diagnosed. I was not told about it. I shouldn't say that. So I was never, no one had said to my face, you know, all the treatment I had been through. They never would tell me for fear of my reaction. But yes, as a younger child, about 10, 12 years ago, yeah, I was diagnosed. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, it's a it's a big deal. Like even in Ireland here, I when I was over getting therapy in two thousand and nine, like they didn't tell me I had borderline personality disorder. I taught ADHD, and I was studying ADHD on the side. Going, geez, I'm gonna get a, I'm gonna get a good grip on this and it was only until i actually asked that they said no you've you've a thing called borderline personality disorder um yeah yeah and uh, adhd doesn't sound as bad if i'm being honest (laughs) (laughs) i
1: know i have a lot of people who come to me and they go i you know i think i have adhd and that's really what it had been when i before i started the podcast Mm. i had a lot of people who are misdiagnosed with bipolar disorder or ADHD. And, you know, I had been thinking, no, this is not that, you know, this is not ADHD because, you know, when you have borderline personality disorder, it looks so similar because you have a lot of emotions. So you have those executive skills, functioning deficits where you, you look disorganized, right? You look all over the place. Yeah. Because of the BPD. So it's commonly misdiagnosed. But yeah, lots of people come to me and oh, I just have ADHD. Okay. <laughs> Let's yeah. talk about that.
0: <laughs> and yeah. how, how long are you how long are you a therapist yourself?
1: I have been in the mental health field since 2007. Oh, it's a lot, A long time. I've been actively practicing as a licensed clinician for I would want to say Oh, a little over 15 years.
0: Right. Yeah. So you've seen a lot at this stage, so. Yep. Yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely.
0: And with your own background, what got you into therapy? What Did anything happen in your own background that <laughs> brought you down this road?
1: Yep. My math is off, by the way, because it's just not, you know, I'm not a math brain. So I, it was actually 2005 where I started, you know, in higher level education and mm. it's been, you know, 15 years or more working in the field. So what got me into it? I was a clarinet performance major in college, Sean. That was the direction that I was supposed to go in. I was playing clarinet and I was going to be a professional clarinet clarinetist. So mm. When I realized that really wasn't the thing for me, I, I wanted to do anything that wasn't, that didn't require any effort back then when I was in college. So when I realized I had problems was that first semester in college where you live away from your parents or university, right? So internationally, mm-hmm. we say university. And I took a psych class, like 101. And I fell in love with trying to figure out who I was. So I immediately switched majors, right? Not in Pulsive at All. <laughs> then I went from my bachelor's degree. So here you get a bachelor's degree, and you can't be licensed as a clinician or a therapist until you receive either a master's degree or a doctorate. And you can skip your master's degree and go right to your doctoral degree. So I started from that bachelor's degree. I actually got into a doctoral program for psychology. I just wanted to skip over the master's um, level work. Right. And I started really the, like looking into DBT because, you know, the way they train you at the doctoral level is you have these teams, clinical teams, and maybe one team focuses on schizophrenia. One team focuses on depression, anxiety, child psychology. We had a team. Because we had somebody who was uh, trained by Marshall Linehan on, in DBT, so I was on the DBT team, of course, and it resonated with me so much. Everything that they were talking about, I loved learning about it. You know, I was, it was, it felt like home to me. And you know, from there, I ended up figuring out, well, this is what I have, this is what I'm struggling with.
0: Nice. Okay. So you you so DBT is is as you know and I know but not many people would know is that DBT is one of the core um, therapies for people with borderline personality disorder. Um, Marsha Lenehan was the founder and she created it. Really, well, isn't that true? Um, yes, that is true. Mm-hmm. So you studied DBT, is is that right? mm mm-hmm. Mhm. Yeah. I did. I studied it,
1: and I also tried to get. I had a clinician. Like I had my own therapist at the time trying to work through all these issues. So I was going through not formal DBT. They have informal or quote-unquote gold star, gold standard DBT programs, and then there's informal DBT. So I was going through some informal DBT. I couldn't afford it at the time. Um, It was $600 a month to do the gold standard. Wow, $600 a a month. Yeah, yeah. I mean, therapy is expensive. I try to, even in my own practice, I try to keep costs low. It's hard though because you you also are working for a living and mm. you're you know it's a lot of work. So you're really having to juggle a lot when you're working with someone with BPD. So it is it, it's a going to be expensive. I personally think that's pretty excessive in a group setting when you're just you know in a group learning skills. So I wasn't able to even afford it. I was a university student. I didn't have money.
0: It's amazing no. the difference. Like in Ireland, you know, in Ireland when I when I went into. um you know when i when i went into therapy basically and this is something i'm finding out more and more is the difference in the cultures and everything else like i i done 4 years of therapy and a full year of dbt and you know free we we nothing absolutely zero so yeah. it's amazing the difference of cultures because you know how are you supposed to afford 600 dollars a month and how are you supposed to get you know it, it's to me it's alien Yes, it's, the, it's it's just the culture that's there is that it's an expensive thing to get done.
1: Right. Well, they, there is free treatment. So, as when you go and you get licensed as a clinician mm. in the United States, you have to work in what they're called what they call community mental health. I mean, you don't have to; it's an option. Right. You work in a community mental health facility. A community mental health facility is going to offer free or low cost care, but but those organizations are not well funded. So when I was working as a therapist in those or in an organization like that, I had 70 some clients on a caseload and nice. I had to do paperwork for se- that's 70 people. That's excessive. It's too much. Yeah. You, have, you know, not enough time, not enough resources to offer people. So I guess what I'm saying is that in here you get what you pay for, yeah. you know, people who do the work that I'm doing charge upwards of three to $500 an hour. Which I just morally can't wrap my mind around how the bacon starts. But they you know, it's it's good quality work in these reputable people. So I think cost in healthcare is just different in the US for sure.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Because like even, you know, you you put up there last week, you know, you were putting up um a program that you're doing. And um I was looking into it and looked at the price, you know. And I'll be yeah. honest, I, I was asking a few people, because I chat to people online and around the world, and I was asking a few people in America, I was like, Is, you know, what, what, what would you think of this as a price? Before I went talking to you this evening, and they were all saying, it's actually a very good price. It's a really good yeah. price. And coming from Ireland, you know, we're used to, as I said, free. So, you know, I wouldn't have a clue. I wouldn't be able to scale it. Um, yeah. So I was, and I did do that. I went around and said, just, you know, because I knew I was going to be chatting to you and I knew I was going to be chatting to you about your business. But the last thing I wanted to talk to you about is if I couldn't relate, if that makes sense. It's like, cause I needed to be able to relate. So I asked around and I said, what do you think of that price? And they were like, yeah, that's actually a pretty good price in fairness. So I says, wow, that's pretty good. So, you know, um, yeah. And so like in fairness, the, one of the reasons I did ask you on is, is because, We've been chatting since last april right yeah i'm mm-hmm. on I'm on your your facebook um I don't even know what to call them what do you call them facebook <laughs> group who is there okay that will tell you how much yeah. I understand about all this uh facebook <laughs> groups um one of the more annoying people I hope on it um I do my best <laughs> <laughs> try not to get banned, but at the same token. I I find your group, and I've said this to you before, so it's not like it's a plug. At the end of the day, I call it as I see it. But there's an awful lot more maturity, I'll say, right in your mm-hmm. group, in a sense mm-hmm. of you can you can speak your mind, um, yep. you can talk about dark topics, um, mm-hmm. and they're talked about as adults. Um, And I like that. I like the rawness of your group. And most importantly, what I like about your group, and I'll say I like about you as a person, is there's no bullshit with you. What you see right. is what you get. You know, there's no... Yeah. And even, like, being honest, I was talking to someone from America just there yesterday, and I was talking about you. And um, because I was asking her about the pricing, and I was saying, you know, in fairness, I'd go with Rose, right? And it's like... I wasn't, she's not going to therapy or anything, but I was just chatting as if she was. And she was. Right. She said to me, why would you go with Rose? I said, because, right, you've said to me the price is pretty decent, which I'm going to take on board that it is, because I don't know. But I said, the reason right. I would go to Rose is this. The bullshit of three or four sessions where you're just trying to figure it out She's not yeah. going to be charging you for that. Where other therapists are going to try and fit it in. Rose hits right. the ground running. And I like that. I like, right, you're here. Let's get going. I don't want yeah. you to feel sorry for me. I don't want you to. Yeah, the last thing I want in therapy is someone going, oh, you poor old devil. Yeah. And I'm like, no, I don't want that. I don't want that. No, <laughs> Right. I don't want that. I want. Yeah. I want what's in your head. Give me what's in your head. And that's the way I look at therapy. And I look at you like that. You you cut the bullshit and get straight into mm-hmm. it, you know. So, yeah, um absolutely. Would you disagree?
1: <laughs> <laughs> no, not at all, absolutely. I mean, back to, you know, how I came to be doing this, you know, after the doctoral program, I unfortunately, I wasn't even able to finish because I had a son. I had a child in the program. So I right, okay. Was very impulsive, very all over the place. Mm. I ended up getting... I have, a master's degree, and I got my license, et cetera. And I came to find that that style of therapy, it just doesn't help. It does help some people, it helps a lot of people, but it doesn't help people like me, like you, we have strong personalities, Mm. we need to, you know, cut to the chase. And the more I started, they teach you in therapy, don't talk about yourself you need to not burden other people, which makes sense. You know, I I don't like, I'm not going to talk about myself in a way that would make someone have to feel like they have to take care of me. But I felt that the more that I told people about me and my struggles, the more they could relate to me. So it became real. So I was like, oh, this is awesome. I want to grow more. I want to recover so that I can then help people and have a formula and a system to do that. And yeah, I do hit the ground running for sure. And that's kind of how I've switched from being considering myself a therapist to a mindset coach. You know, I am always going to be a therapist. I've always I've trained that way, I'm trained. I don't have a doctoral degree, but I'm trained at the doctoral level, so to me that's always going to come first mm. is that the ethical standpoint, taking care of people, making sure that I'm not working with people that require a higher level of care, hospitalization. Right, But at the end of the day, I'm a coach and the first session is going to be, tell me about you. Okay, here's your assignment. Go. And sometimes I'm giving three assignments and sometimes I yeah. I have to be careful because I am intense, right? So I've, I'm like, okay, that's really sad. Let's go. This is what you're going to do. We're going to reform. You're going to transform you. <laughs> yes,
0: yes. Yeah.
1: And then to speak on the money part of it, it's, it, you know, it's um, the way that my business works, people are always surprised that they can get a hold of me. They're like, how are you so easy to contact? And I say, because I don't see people for a long period of time. So like five sessions, six sessions, seven sessions, and they go. So that's seven sessions, right? That's not Mm. that much money for the rest of your life.
0: Absolutely. like, And even though I've never been counseled by you, um, I'm a big advocate for BPD. That's my whole game. Since when I, um, you know, self-harmed or call a spade a spade, tried to take my own life in 2009, ever since then, you know, my world has been mental health, you know. And mm-hmm. not, not at all, but, it's it, you know, now it's a passion. It's a passion of mine, and I, hopefully it'll continue for the rest of my life. It's, it's, um, it's a hobby that I'll us hopefully take on. But one thing that I do do, is I watch people and I want to make sure that when I'm talking about someone that they're actually good in my belief. You know, I'm not the end all and being all. But I definitely from watching you over the last couple of months, and look, you've BPD, I've BPD, it's no big secret that people with BPD watch each other. So anyone that doesn't have BPD, uh, just this is a little kind of a hidden thing, you know, like little gem. Um, We watch everything. (laughs) We're looking looking for the slightest little flaw in you because that's how we look at the world. And I've been looking at you for the last couple of months and I've been looking at your answers and seeing how you interact with other people with BPD. And again, that's the reason I asked you on today because I completely would believe in you. If anyone came to me and you were in Ireland I would have no doubt in sending them to you, absolutely none, um, because I know that you have their interest at heart, you know? Yep, Definitely. thank
1: you, yeah, absolutely, well, I don't, so I consider myself to have all of the good stuff, so BPD with the disorder, you and I always split hairs over this, I feel like I'm always correcting, I feel like I have a hyperbolic temperament, I don't have you know, the disordered part of borderline personality yeah, disorder yeah. because of all the things you're saying. You're right. I'm consistent. I'm the same person every time I mm. show up the same way every time. I'm loyal to my word. And if I'm, if I make a mistake, which I have, you know, I've made a lot of mistakes. I've had people become very angry with me. I say that the mistake I've made and I apologize and we move on. And that's mm. how I, have I've recovered. So of course I'm going to be that way. I appreciate your saying that because it just reaffirms like, yeah, you are who you say you are. That is one of the biggest predictors of recovery. If you can just be the same person all the time, I feel that way about you. That's why I had you on the podcast to begin with. It was random, right? I just started this podcast. I was on all these really negative (laughs) Facebook groups Mm -hmm. and then there you were and you're just this light in all this just darkness. I'm like, there he is. Okay, cool. Like let's ask Sean if he can be on the podcast. And then months later, I have my Facebook group and the podcast has grown, so you come back on. And that's what you're looking for is consistency in a person. Are they going to be the same way all the time, mean what they say and say what they mean, right?
0: Absolutely, yeah. I think it's, and I think, you know, you know, I spray cars, as I always say. I'm very, I'm very prominent to say I spray cars because I, I, I'm not a therapist. I will never be a therapist because I wouldn't do what you do. I will, you know, I talk to people um every now and again, but I yeah, that's great, but and I enjoy it, don't get me wrong, I really do enjoy that, but I would not take this on full time. I just wouldn't. I wouldn't have the head for it. Um so that's why I'm talking to you is because it's great when you actually have someone who has the mindset, they know what they're talking about. And one of the things I found detrimental if i'm being honest now the therapist i had in 2009 she was brilliant she was exactly like my mindset your mindset a very get on with it get up get on with it right and it's 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 a breath of fresh air when you find someone who who has the illness Who's also a therapist? If I'm being honest, and 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 I am plugging you, and and this is deliberate. It's not like <laughs> it's not like oh my god, like this is. I'm deliberately plugging you. That's why I asked John, um, because it is a breath. of I appreciate pressure. that. No, I'm being honest. Like the way I look at it is, if I thought you were shit, I just wouldn't talk to you because I just wouldn't. Because at the end of the day, my main goal in life is that people with BPD can realize that they can become better. And the last thing I would do is recommend anybody because it comes back on me then. Um, you know, you, yeah. you, you recommended this person to me and, and blah, blah, blah. And then it comes back on me, which is damaging to what I'm trying to do, which is basically promote that BPD can be cured. As right. you know, Yep. um, BPD mm-hmm. can be overcome. Um, you can live a very good, you look, we know each other. I live a very good life. I'm happily married. You know, um, I have three yep. kids. I know you're happily married. I know you're a kid. We, you can overcome BPD. It's not like you're living in this nightmare all the time. And that's what I want to promote. And, and again, yeah, it's a plug at the end of the day because I don't know another therapist that has BPD. <laughs> you know, that type of way. So yep. it's great to get someone who actually has the illness because I know when I was talking to... Certain therapists before we'll say my last therapist, and it's a nightmare. It's an absolute nightmare when you're talking to someone who just doesn't get what you're trying to say to them, whereas you do absolutely, yeah, absolutely,
1: because I have that mindset, that brain. So, you know, I think recovery, I'm asked this a lot, you know, what does recovery mean? I mean, recovery doesn't mean that I all of a sudden woke up one day and just was, you know, completely normal. As a matter of fact, it doesn't mean that at all. It means that I'm, you know, very hyperbolic, you know, kind of weird, sometimes awkward. You know, you said one time on my podcast that you would just sing, just start bursting out singing and dancing out of nowhere. I mean, yeah, I do things like that, you know, but I have the, you know, gift maybe, I don't know, to be able to have the the mindset to see the BPD reality as well so I can when someone I'm working with someone I don't they don't have to necessarily spill out all the things going on in their head because I already know it and that's really helpful for people because you know it's hard for people with BPD to be vulnerable
0: mm. so
1: when they you know I, I'll have someone talking about their kids for example and be like oh I just think maybe I'm a horrible parent then I know okay well I scan my brain and I'm like, all right, well, what does that mean to have BPD and to be a horrible parent? Well, you probably scream at your kid. Maybe you handled them too roughly. Maybe you were disconnected from your kid or whatever. And I'll say those things out loud. And then they go, how did you know that? It's like, well, because that's my head, right? Like I'm in there, Mm. but I also have that benefit of being, like I said, loyal to my word and consistent. And so I can see the neurotypical world and act that way. And I can also act you know, in other ways, I think people really like that. They appreciate that I can, you know, call call them out.
0: I think so. Like, the the one thing I love about life is honesty. And mm-hmm. I'm a firm believer, yeah, it's raw, yeah, it hurts, but it doesn't sting for too long, you know? It, it might sting in the mm-hmm. beginning, but it's not going to sting for weeks on end. And I think sometimes, in my opinion... People need that. They need that raw honesty to just go. Well, this is the way you 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 could be like. You know that type of word. like. Look, mm-hmm. if you have borderline personality disorder, you definitely have anger. I mean, it's a nightmare yep. in the head. Of uh, I'm not going to speak for everyone with borderline, but I know when when my head wasn't straight. When you're trying to jigsaw all of that together and then live your life and and try and cope and work and whatever else that comes into your life, while your head is like a thousand-piece jigsaw that someone just scattered all over the place and go, put that back together while you do a full-time job and then you're married and everything else. (laughs) And you're there going, oh, Lord. So, of course, the anger comes because of the frustration. Whereas, I know you get that. You know, you'll get that. And that's, that's, yeah. No, go on.
1: No, I, yeah, I I get it. I get it in a way that's not just what I read in the book. You know, like you said earlier, um, you, you don't like to recommend people because it falls back on you. I'm the same way. I mean, people ask me all the time, well, what, who else do you recommend? And I like, mine goes blank. Cause I think, okay, I worked with clinicians. I worked with therapists. I know a lot of therapists and yes, there are a lot of very amazing therapists, but I don't know a lot of, I don't know any clinicians personally who haven't said a negative word about someone with BPD and said something like, Oh, I don't want to work with them. Right. Or I don't really want to, um, I, i they're crazy or they're, you know, treatment resistant, meaning, you know, they can't get better and that kind of thing. So I usually will recommend, um, Daniel Fox because he's neat. He, I've seen his videos on YouTube mm. and he's a professional. I don't think he ever says he has BPD, but he gets it. So he either does, or he just conceptualizes it really well. But, you know, and I forget where I was going with that. <laughs> there we no, go. That, Disorganized, no, right? Yeah. So Oh, okay. I know what I I know what I was gonna say. So yeah. So, you know, I know I do recommend Daniel Fox and his workbooks, but I don't recommend him saying that he gets it. Not only do I have that clinical knowledge, like all of my colleagues do, but I also completely get it because I've done it before. I've been there before. I mean, BPD is a series of behaviors and you can group people by those behaviors. So if you know, I tried to kill myself. you tried to kill yourself, other people try to kill themselves. It's the same mentality I'm not good enough, I'm worthless, and I've actually felt that. I've lived that life before,
0: so yeah I, I feel it right absolutely and and that's the thing as well is you know when you when you try and end your life, you are at a very vulnerable stage, and you really yep. I know it myself anyway. you really are hoping that this person gets it because. You, you. Know, I suppose when I think back, it's like a part of you wants to end your life. You don't, but there's a part of you that's going, yeah, I'm going to kill you the next time I get a chance. And it's like, oh, God, this yeah. is a nightmare. So you're kind of hoping the therapist gets it. You're hoping that they go, yeah, look, right. don't worry about it. I, I understand what you're going through. You're hoping to do that. And very few yeah. do. And look, I I, I know about America, America, you know, different cultures, different ways. America has a very negative outlook on people with BPD, you know, yeah. from what I see. They really and truly, I mean, if you have BPD in America, it's very hard to get therapy, as you just said, because some people actually will not deal with you. And again, I, I my personal opinion on that is this, because they don't get it. They actually don't get it. And that's not me being smart or condescending towards anyone who's studying in college. But at the end of the day, if you understand something, it's not a problem. Right. I can pick a spray gun up into my hand. People to be looking in at the window, and I don't even be looking at the car. I'd be dancing away because I'm enjoying the music that's in my ears, and they don't know why I'm able to spray a car while not looking at the car. I don't need to look at the car because I get it. When right. you understand borderline, you don't need to be worrying about too much because you get it. And I think that's what people want right. is they want someone to go, Look, I under look, I understand what you're going through. That's yeah. that's the biggest deal. When you can understand it, which you do. You know, there's no point in saying you don't. You actually do. Yeah,
1: so, absolutely. You're yeah, and you know, like the the bad rap in America at least, you know, that people get with BPD is the behaviors. I mean, I've, I was just interviewed on a psychiatrist's podcast, and she was like blown away by the fact that people with BPD can recover. And it was a great interview, mm. but it was, and ended up being, she was, she, like, it ended up being her and I having a conversation about just me educating her about the new research on BPD. And she's like, you know, why do you think that clinicians are scared to work with people with BPD? And I was like, because we've done some crazy things. I've had things thrown at me. I've been punched in the face. I had had an individual one time who would take my office door and just slam it and slam it and try to scare me. The difference between me and those clinicians is that I've also done my fair share of interesting behaviors towards clinicians. And when she was doing that, when that individual was slamming the door, I just, you know, I'm just bringing on. Come on, you're having a tantrum. I mean, this is my job. My job is to help you not act that way. Mm-hmm. Whereas I think it scares a clinician who gets that. And, you know, I, I know that that's not everyone. Not everyone is going to do that in therapy. Not everyone with BPD is going to act that irrationally in therapy, but it happens more often than not, unfortunately. And if you don't, like I said, my take on it is bring it on. But let's go ahead. If you want to have that kind of outburst, let's, fine if you want to punch me then i mean you probably shouldn't probably shouldn't do that but let's go down that road and it's those times where you can be unconditionally supportive and accepting of the bpd brain and that person that creates change for that person i never left that individual who slammed the door i just sat there the whole time and we worked through it and you know she never wanted to stop seeing me because she knew that I, no matter what she did, she I wasn't going to leave, and that's part of it, right? But a lot of clinicians can't get to that point because they don't understand. They just think it's mean and we're just trying to hurt people.
0: Yeah, no, it's like even when you're telling me to slam, no, I never slam the door, but I can get it. I get the slamming of the door is basically the test to go, you know, I'm frustrated now, I'm going to slam a door and then you'll tell me I can't deal with you and then the, the cycle of right. being rejected has been complete. Whereas... You understand yeah. that there's a cycle of rejection. In other words, people with BPD that don't have BPD listening to this, basically people with BPD will cycle. In other words, they'll, we have a fear of rejection. So we will look at the world through fear of rejection. And then what we'll do is we'll set up a play, to want for a better word, and then we'll yeah. organize something where the person then rejects us and we go, see, I told you, yeah. <laughs> everyone rejects <laughs> me you know not realizing <laughs> that we're doing it ourselves you know yep. um so uh, you see so again when you understand this you can call it you can call it out and go yeah you want to slam a door great but we're still talking about this or whatever way you deal with it you know right so
1: exactly i mean i had Devin on my podcast if anybody listens and it's the episode where you know Devin talks about her recovery and i was in i did house calls when i lived in pennsylvania in the yeah, East Coast in the United States. So I was at her house and I was helping her with parenting and we were talking about her BPD and she had a tantrum right then and there. And she stands up and she gets her, she has this like hair tie around her wrist and she stands up and she like throws it at me and gets up. <laughs> I was Like, you know, I stood up and I was like, you don't need to treat me that way. Just let's just, you know, go get through this. And we worked through it, you know, but it was more funny because I'm standing there and I'm looking at her, I'm going, what are you thinking right now? you know, you have BPD. I told you I've been through this before. You know, we've recovered. Let's just work through this together. And we end up laughing about it, you know. And she it diffused the situation because I was able to understand that she wasn't throwing her hair tie at me to hurt me or to start some, something bigger. She was just, you know, people with BPD were like walking open wounds, right? So she's just yeah. having this tantrum, has a huge emotion and doesn't know what to do with it. So I guess I'm saying that, you know, if you're working with someone you're trying to get help, you need to have that space and that freedom to be who you are and to learn how to regulate your emotions without having to worry about your clinician leaving you right, or
0: shaming you or whatever, right? Yeah, Yeah. and you see, as well as that, again, like, you know, I'm thinking of the the mindset, is that even though someone with BPD is trying to get help, they're still going to test even the therapist to see will the therapist leave them because that's the mindset isn't it it's a constant test to see who's going to leave me cuz it'll prove the point then that i'm being rejected
1: absolutely absolutely and i just don't you know i don't reject people you know i don't even people who try you know of course there's so many people listening to the podcast reaching out so if people try to you know somehow hurt me i'm like okay well let's you know come back let's have a session let's talk about it let's Let's figure this out, you know? If you're in that much pain that you think that other people are trying to hurt you, or that me as a coach or a clinician is trying to hurt you, then we need to figure this out so that you can get your reality right and we
0: can move on, you know? Absolutely, yeah. Because again, I'm going back to the point that you understand it. Whereas other therapists, and I'm not going to run down other therapists, these people, you know, spend their time <laughs> in college or whatever and they understand. But I will argue the point that some, not all, some just don't get that, and that's the part where they go, yeah, not for me. We can't deal with you. Whereas the fact that you do understand that, you know they're going to throw a tantrum. You know tantrums are part of what we do. Um, (coughs) Excuse me. Um, You know that the tantrum is part of us, and that's just a fact about people with BPD. If you're not throwing tantrums with BPD, you don't have BPD. (laughs) 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 <laughs> it's <as> <laughs> That's true. you know That's um, true. <laughs> we're very dramatic very dramatic and mm-hmm. thankfully we're very dramatic i love it you know um i hope that part of me never leaves me you know but another no, thing that no. i noticed as well on your um facebook group is mm-hmm. and i like this as well compared to i i'm not trying to run down other facebook groups every facebook group i'm on is is individual in their own way but the one thing i do like about your group is you actually promote uh health and fitness through food and exercise like you've just yeah. completed um a ten thousand dumb uh kettlebell challenge there isn't it
1: yeah Yep.
0: so yeah you're, yeah, you're a big promoter of that would you why would you promote that we'll say why is it so important to promote food and and uh, exercise in your opinion sure.
1: so i yeah so i look at um the borderline personality disorder as something that stems from having a difficult temperament as a child or a hyperbolic temperament and then you take that hyperbolic temperament or being dramatic hyperbole it's kind of all the same language you take that and you couple it with an invalidating social environment. So maybe you, know, you have trauma or perceived trauma or neglectful parents or whatever, and that's how you end up borderline. So when you come into therapy or mindset coaching, it's important to talk about the mind and mindset. Those things are key, especially to negate some of those schemas or stories people are playing out from that early childhood invalidation. But what gets missed is the fact that we were born with a hyperbolic temperament. So you're not just hyperbolic on the outside, you're hyperbolic on the inside as well. So, you know, working out like that heavy, 10,000 kettlebell swings is a lot of work. And I ended up with 53 pounds. So Mm. you're doing 500 kettlebell swings a day. That's 500 kettlebell swings at 53 pounds. Plus, you know, there's like work in the middle of it. It's because I need to lift heavy things in order to release that hyperbolic energy that's happening within me, so exercise is pretty adversive to me. I don't like doing hard things, <laughs> well, <laughs> exercise, but it, it helps you, me. I'm so calm.
0: When so you ahead. say hyperbolic, Sorry. will you explain mm-hmm. to me what hyperbolic is?
1: Sure. So, I mean, the definition of a hyperbole is you know just over the top, right? Everything over is big, top. everything is like overly dramatic. You know, when you it's an exaggeration. Yes. That's a, a, yes. a synonym. Right. So our, and you said dramatic, so you hit the nail on the head right there. It's You're born with, you know, let's say you have three children. You could have a child who's shy. You could have a child who is compliant and does everything that they're, you know, asked, at, that's asked of them. Maybe they have like a musical talent, so they like being on stage. And then you could have this a child that cries all the time and is just everything is overdramatic and oversensitive. That would be an, a hyperbolic child your child is more different with a difficult temperament so there if you think about hyperbole or drama or just being exaggerated that's how the person is through and through their genetic um, presentation is an exaggeration so they have different needs we have different needs inside and out does that make
0: sense? Absolutely yeah because I always argue the case that you know you're born this way. Like I was doing a podcast like that really? um a week or two ago, and the the guy on the podcast he he asked me, you know, if if I didn't come from such a traumatic background, do I think I'd have BPD? And without thinking, I went, yeah, hundred percent, because I think you're born that way, and like there's no way you're gonna get through life without <laughs> without receiving some form of trauma. And it only takes one or two uh, 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 incidents to trigger BPD, as as according to the science. So I mean, you're always going to have it. As in, that's it. It's it's you're going to be as you say hyperbolic. Um, see, the Irish we're devils over here. We like to use many <clears throat> many different words that don't make sense instead <laughs> of using the English language, <laughs> which we should <laughs> use. <laughs> But we just don't. It's just our nature, you know. We like to go a very long way yeah. around instead of saying the one <laughs> word, you know. But hyperbolic, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Hyperbolic.
1: Hyperbolic. And and that's why, you know, I say that I've recovered. So this is like this ongoing debate with people. Do you really recover? And it's yes. Yeah, so the answer is Yes, I recovered from the, when you say BPD, right, stands for borderline personality and the D stands for disorder. You and I are not disordered. If you and I were disordered right now, you wouldn't spray cars and I wouldn't own a business helping people. We are hyperbolic. We still will always, like you said, we're born with that hyperbolic, exaggerated, dramatic temperament.
0: Absolutely. And so
1: exercise and nutrition is If I stop working out, I can immediately fall back into a path that would lead me to being disordered if I so chose. Because without good nutrition, without good and like without consistent exercise, my body will start to, to crave that revved up impulsive behavior.
0: Yeah, that's true, isn't it? And the uh-huh. foot, and the okay. foot will be to the pedal then, and you'll be clicking enter on Amazon and everything else before you know, it. <laughs> buying, that's right. maxing out, the, maxing out the credit cards, <laughs> <laughs> just to get the release.
1: Yep. <laughs> you know. Exactly, you know, yeah. or gambling, or eating too much, or whatever people's vices are, you know, whatever mm, path mm. that takes you to. So, I'd rather lift lift some kettlebells, and like you do gut health, I tell people all the time listen to that episode or i'll do we'll talk about probiotics or you know i start just easy now i I, people don't like to hear about nutrition and fitness so i start talking easy i say like if you eat all junk food just add vegetables to your meals
0: Mm. you know start Mm.
1: nurturing yourself taking care of yourself but the bottom line is is we're not just hyperbolic in our mind and our emotion we're hyperbolic physically we're hyperbolic
0: all over absolutely i mean even even like you know you know that I love the gut and the gut's my new best friend. Why wouldn't it be? Because my mental health went away when I started feeding the little fuckers. And <laughs> like I've I've increased my fibres really hugely, right, lately. And it's just like a rave party down there. They're just I'm picturing them in the middle of a massive field with the fucking two DJs and they're just waving up to me going You are a legend. And I'm going, I am, aren't I? And even in work, the boys are noticing in work that my energy has gone through the roof. And because I'm hyperbolic or dramatic, as the Irish would say, I'm doing a lot of dancing and moving around in work. And I was asked the other day, was I mad? To which I said, I don't know I could be, but don't tell anybody. (laughs) So I'm having a good crack. You know, and and I think you're right. I think you're born hyperbolic, dramatic for the Irish listeners. Um, I think you are. I was always this way. There's eight people in in my family, eight siblings, and I'm the only one like this. You know, I'm the only one. And I'm going to say that right now, like to, you know, if my mother's listening, I am your favorite. You know I am. And this is recorded (laughs) for life. So <laughs> I, I asked my mother once, I, I said to her, tell the truth, am I your favorite? And she said, if you were born first, you'd be an only child. And I said to my family, I told you, was, I told you I was the favorite. Mommy said, if I was born first, I'd be an only child. And she says, I didn't mean it like that. But that's how I took it. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah,
1: you were an intense little
0: kid. I was a bundle of energy that you could oh. not contain um yeah. an absolute bundle of energy that you could not contain um yeah i was and 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 you know you're born that way you're you're absolutely born right. that way and, like you and me are on the far side of this which is rare i've spent right. 10 years online um trying to find other people like myself and I'm not saying I'm unique in that sense or I'm anything good I'm not but it's very rare that you find someone who actually just is living their life. Yep. And that's a shame. And I, I know I'm 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 in a giddy mood now chatting, but at the same token I'm trying to be a little bit serious and going, that's a shame. It it shouldn't be that there's only a few of us out there that actually live a life, get up, go to work, enjoy life. I mean this is a massive hobby for me now and you know I've 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 kitted out a, a room in my house for this. So it's a massive hobby. Um mm-hmm. that people actually um when I say this, I mean that I I'm I suppose I'm I'm a normal everyday person, if you want to call it that, where I work, I'm married, I've kids, I cook, I clean, and my wife cooks and cleans and works And then I have a hobby and she's a hobby. So we're kind of ticking all the boxes of how life should be. And it's rare to find people that have BPD that have that. And I think that is a shame. And again, that's one of the reasons I asked you on, is because people shouldn't be living horrible lives to have BPD. They should be able to live happy lives. like Absolutely. I've experienced... A serious amount of trauma. I didn't have an easy life. I didn't have a life where it was anyway easy. And I live a brilliant life. I love my life now. I really and truly love it. And I know you love your life because you're doing what you love oh, as well. So much. Yeah. You know. And. Yeah. You know, I think that's the whole reason um, why I wanted you to come on is is. I want people to be able to reach out to someone like you who who does this who actually understands the illness who can talk to someone and 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 teach them how to actually cope in life you know
1: yeah absolutely I would love to yeah i i can i a hundred percent love the life that I have you know we're not fancy people, we don't have a lot of anything we just work hard for all the things that we have. Mm. And- you know, I embrace the life that we have. I love, you know, we were able to, you know, buy a house this past year just because you know, we have online businesses. So COVID really helped because, you know, like the gyms were closed. And my husband does mindset coaching and personal training. So anyway, things just align. Mm. You know, we have like this simple place with land in the country and I just love it. I'm going to bake Christmas cookies and watch ridiculous Hallmark TV with people, you know, (laughs) in Christmas, Christmas shows. And I love that, you know, I, that's, that's just awesome to me to be able to spend time with my family. And, you know, when I'm not in session, that's what I'm doing. And I, every day is a good day for me every day, you know, because Mm. I don't have the kind of pain, you know what it's like to wake up every day and you don't have that pain. And I agree. I think that there's, if I can help more people not have the kind of pain that the BPD mind has, then this is worth it for me.
0: Absolutely, it. absolutely. Like, when you're talking to me about that pain, and this might sound, I don't know how it'll sound, but I'm just going to say it because it's true. I have to remember that pain. Because mm-hmm. I, I forget, yeah. right? So I have to i have yeah. to literally remember that pain. And when I remember it, I get a little knot in my stomach. Um, yep. Like, where I was, like my own business in Athlone, and used to drive about 30 mile away and sit at the foot of a, you know, a small, we don't have big mountains in Ireland, Uh, in America you have big everythings, we don't have big mountains in Ireland, (laughs) but anyway, I used to sit at the bottom of this mountain and I'd be bawling my eyes out crying and and nobody ever knew that because of the nightmare of BPD that was in my head and I couldn't figure it out, I couldn't understand what to do, how to figure it out. You know yourself, you've just gone through one emotion and another one comes in the door. You've gone through that emotion and another one comes in. And by the time you're interacting right. with people, you're so exhausted, you're throwing tantrums. And yep. you're just this mess, basically. And I'm speaking of myself, I'm not speaking of anyone else. But i you're just a mess because by the time you actually try to figure out all that's in your head, you're so exhausted, you're like a scared animal that's just lunging at mm-hmm. people. And I remember that and that's that's something I would love to be eradicated and absolutely gone because there is no reason for a human being to suffer that much. Especially when people like yourself get it, they get it and you know I know you get it, I know you understand it, you know that type of way.
1: Yeah, absolutely. You know, and that's why these podcasts are so important, because like we talked about the very first podcast we did, what do we say out of 100 people, there's like one or two that want to hear it. I now since then, I believe that there's many, many more than one or two that want to hear that there's recovery, that you can have this good life, that you don't have to feel that kind of intense pain that you're just talking about. And I think that we are this voice in a sea full of people going, no, you're going to be sick forever. You're just going to manage this disorder. Even DBT. You and I have had this discussion before. Mm. This is a treatment of coping skills. You know, it's a treatment of coping skills. So you're basically teaching people to have this, put this huge aid over the, over the, the disorder and always live with it, you know? And it's, You know, there are people out there who need the message that we're giving, where you say, yeah, you can recover. That's why, you know, you and I have people on that support that.
0: So people really need that. Mm. They
1: need that message because they're not getting it.
0: No, and like, you know, for myself, as I always say, I've my BPD down to four things, you know, food, sleep, exercise and um, reflection. And the reflection part <clears throat> is the talking. It's the talking. That's the reflection part. And mm-hmm. you, when you can simplify a severe mental illness down to four things, just because I thrive now, um, that doesn't mean my days don't be difficult. My days are right, a very difficult day to day. Um, the difference in today and 10 years ago is I was able to deal with it, process it, handle it tell a few jokes, Mm -hmm. if I'm being honest, and not take it so personal. Ten years ago, I would have probably left work, went home, climbed into bed, and that would be my day. And then everybody panicking around me going, oh God, he's going to bed. So it's important for me personally to understand that I have a choice. Does that mean my days don't be bad? No. No. It just means that when I have a choice I can improve on my mental health and that's important. You know. Right. So look, yeah, I, it's absolutely. it's um it's near the end of the podcast because I I want to keep it within the hour, right? But before you go, mm-hmm. would you would you tell people how to contact you?
1: Sure, absolutely. You can Um, search for the podcast. It's called From Borderline to Beautiful. And you can listen to that on probably anywhere you can hear a podcast, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Anchor. And then in terms of the website, if you want to sign up for a free initial consultation, you can go to thriveonlinecounseling.com. And that's counseling with one L. So it's thriveonlinecounseling.com. And we have I'm running a 12-week structured virtual support group for people with bpd and that's open to international and national clients it's mindset coaching and it will begin on january 18th it's 75 minutes long and it's a hundred dollars a session so definitely come on over join sign up get started on your recovery journey
0: exactly exactly and rose thanks very much for coming on and um i really i really appreciate you coming on today Thank you for having
1: me, Sean. No problem. Thank you. All right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.